0: Super Talk Mississippi media production.
1: Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live.
0: This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on
1: Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1.
0: Welcome back to Coast View. We have uh, Clay Williams, who's the Executive Director for the Gulfport-Bilexi Regional Airport Authority. And we were talking about before the break the coronavirus impact. They were up twenty over 20% in February, and already they could sell, tell in mid-March as we put – the social distancing in place, the military, and the casinos and tourism and everything else begins to kind of get caught up in the moment of social distancing. That the impact on the airport has been significant, expected, significant though. Um, so why don't we do this before we shift to your story, Clay? I want to I want to understand sort of the residual impact and how you know the responsibility you and your authority have for master planning what recovery might look like so let's kind of walk through that
1: sure so if you think about the Gulfport Biloxi International Airport as an entity it has a two hundred and ninety nine million dollar annual economic impact in South Mississippi and if you think about the jobs that are associated with the facility you have 650 jobs associated with the airport on the commercial side and then if you go over to the National Guard side of the airfield you've got another 600 650 jobs so it's significant job Uh, generator and creator in this state uh, and and particularly in our region and the annual economic impact is significant. So if you look at something like the coronavirus and sort of the the, the ripple effect or the trickle-down effect that it has. So you have all the associated ancillary businesses at the airports. You've got, I mean, it, it look, look at us as the airport authority. We're, we're essentially a landlord, operating the grounds, operating the facilities, and trying to generate additional economic impact for the community. But it's our partners the tenants that are invaluable in this process. So if you think about who are an airport's partners, it's the airlines, it's the rental car companies, it's your retail concessionaire, it's your restaurant concessionaire, it's your it's your federal employees that work for TSA that are at the checkpoint. Mm-hmm. It's it's engineers and others that are associated with our day-to-day um safety and security procedures. It's your air traffic controllers. I mentioned the National Guard side of the airfield, both Army National Guard, Air National Guard. So there's so many entities, even the hotels that are located on airport, the office park that's associated. There's so many intertwined businesses and most all of those that I just referenced are affected by air travel. So it's driven by passenger volume. It's driven by frequency. So hours of operation are very important. The number of people going in and out of the facility very important because that drives uh, the the uh, economic well being of rental cars, of airlines, of those that are working the security checkpoint, and those working in our restaurants at the airport and and working in the retail mm-hmm. concessions.
0: Have you already begun to anticipate what a recovery plan might look like?
1: So so we have, and what we you know. You know, again, the uncertainty is the length of time. Right. So when you when you look at an economic recovery, you have to first start looking at what are your what are your cash reserves, what's your position. You know, how long can you withstand something like this? And fortunately, uh, through great leadership from our board, from the hard work of our staff and our team, we've we put together a pretty good base of reserves. But again without you knowing how long it lasts, that's that's step one. The other is you start looking at your tenants, and how are they managing? Are they having to manage through reduced hours? Are they having to manage through uh, less less people on a shift because of the throughput? And so mm-hmm. that's something that we have to, to bear in mind, and then all the while, you've got to think about, people taking care of one another and how important that is. Because think about somebody that's trying trying to work, but yet they've got a, a uh, more vulnerable segment of the population at home that they're taking care of, whether it's maybe an elderly person or an infant, uh, something of that magnitude. So there's, there's a lot to balance. Uh, you hear about economic stimulus at the federal level. I mean, President Trump and the administration mentioned yesterday that their plan is to take care of the airline industry because they've, they've really been dramatically impacted by, by some of the, the travel restrictions that have been put into place. But, but that's all by design and to try to lower this curve and spread of, of the virus. So one, of the
0: things, one of the things that um, that really occurs to me as you talk is that the, the airport, the Gulfport Biloxi International Airport, it's literally a, a microcosm it's sort of like its own little city with everything attached to it right and so you know whether you're talking about a, a casino or the casino industry or the airport and the industries that surround it the casinos for every job at the at the casino you got another know, job or more that supports the casinos directly supports the casinos right. and you have restaurants and bars and other amenities that are part of the overall offering for coastal mississippi right and you can begin to understand that um, you know some of these big organizations will get on the other side of this but if you were already struggling a little bit before you hit this moment right you're going to might really be struggling when you get on the other side of this and so i hope that ultimately our planning as a, as a region is really taking into account all aspects of our economy so that everyone not just the airline industry but you, know, sure. you i know you think this way because you were at, you were in Trent Lott's office right. after Hurricane Katrina, and had to think about every aspect of the economy to see how we were going to get ourselves out of this mess. But there's a, there's a, you know, I think that what, you, what you just told that story of the supporting businesses and this sort of like many city in the airport, is right. just a microcosm of what we're going to face all over the coast. That's it. And, um, and just going to be, there's going to be a lot to think about. But we were there before with BP. we were there before with Hurricane Katrina. We'll find our way through it. Uh, but, but again, there's there, planning and leadership is going to be key. Why don't we shift gears, though? Okay. You actually grew up in the Lumberton-Hattiesburg area. You, you made your way to Ocean Springs, but I don't know how you ended up in Ocean Springs. Tell me about that. So
1: I actually was born in Hattiesburg. I, I'm, a, I'm a native South Mississippian, born in Hattiesburg. Uh, my father was originally from Lumberton, Mississippi, and we lived uh, – when I was in elementary school in his old boyhood home there. He was a banker mm-hmm. in Hattiesburg and uh, he actually was transferred with his job uh, to the Mississippi Gulf Coast when I was entering junior high. So mm-hmm. I went to junior high and high school in Ocean Springs. My, my father worked uh, in banking in, in both Biloxi and Ocean Springs and and so that's what brought us to the to the Mississippi Gulf Your Coast. Your
0: father had a wonderful reputation. has a wonderful... I mean, he's, what, a, what a legacy he left.
1: He is definitely a mentor tour of mine, and he claims me most days.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but he did set a great example for you, didn't he?
1: He did. He did. He, he actually believes in the Gulf Coast and in the community. He's been involved in every organization, uh, not only in Ocean Springs and Jackson County, but throughout the Mississippi Gulf Coast, everything from United Way, to Chamber of Commerce, to Rotary Club, to the YMCA, and so his civic involvement is is has been an inspiration to me, and and he's done it, and he's been very altruistic in, in what he's done, and I I have an immense amount of respect for.
0: Him. I, I can I can see that uh, I, I can definitely see that. How did you pick Mississippi State?
1: So when I was looking at, at various schools, I, I was hoping to, to land in a place that one was a good fit, one that had a program of which I might have an interest. And so I actually uh, went through the Department of Communication there, had a uh, through their public relations department, and really uh, Mississippi State has a uh, has a very laid back feel to it. I, you know, the people are very friendly and welcoming, and then when you visit as a as an 18 year old high school student, I just felt. like... Like it was a it was the right uh, thing to do, and and uh, really really enjoyed my time while I was there.
0: So from there you got serious, though you went to Harvard.
1: Well, actually, there was a, there was a step prior to that. So when I, when I got out of school, my my goal was I was I was looking at various opportunities in public relations and advertising. That was my that was my degree. That was my area of interest, and and so the thought was, um, where can I land in a uh, mid to larger size firm where I can have a broad array of experience so i started interviewing uh sending out resumes kind of blindly to different uh firms of of which i was aware and and at the time i had a friend uh, from mississippi state who was working as an intern in senator trent lott's office and she she encouraged me she said send your resume to the office here because the chief of staff may be able to help you get in the door with a couple of these firms in dc Well, little time went by, I'd sent my resume in, I had not heard anything back, and I waited and two or three weeks I pick up the phone and I call and I said, well, I was just checking to see if uh, my friend had forwarded along the resume and have you had a chance to possibly reach out to any of your contacts? He said, "Uh, let us check and we'll call you back. Well, they called back about two days later. I don't know if they actually made the phone call to any of the advertising and PR agencies of which I had an interest, but they called back and said, look, we have a, a temporary position that's opening in Senator Lott's office. Would you like to come to Washington and work? And while you're here, we'll give you the time to look for another position because this is temporary. Yeah. Well, I thought I was taking a temporary position. And uh, long and short of is I ended up working for Senator Lott for uh, almost nine years in various capacities at different times. So I my first jobs in D.C. were Everything from a month in the mailroom to legislative correspondence to then becoming a legislative aide. Really
0: learning from the ground up
1: ground up and so kind of kinda of working long hours trying to, to wrap my head around various policy issues. And I started working on special projects in Mississippi and so it really was interesting. You had a chance to help um, various entities throughout the state and
0: so we're gonna we're gonna we're going continue that, and then we we'll, then I want to after the break we'll f- finish up sort of your story, what brought you ultimately to the to the airport, sure. and then I want to hear the structure of the airport, sure. you know, like who serves on the current yeah. airport authority and all all those kinds of things. But yeah. we'll be back in just a minute with our conversation with Clay Williams, the executive director for the Gulfport-Biloxi uh, International Airport Authority. So we'll be back after this break.